Welcome to Talking Facts, and thank you for tuning in to Cancer Conversations on Talking Facts, a podcast collaboration between the University of Kentucky Markey Cancer Center and the UK College of Agriculture, Food and Environment's Cooperative Extension Service. We will share with you the latest developments in cancer prevention, diagnosis, treatment, and research from the experts at Markey Cancer Center, Kentucky's only National Cancer Institute designated cancer center. Talking Facts is hosted by the UK Family and Consumer Sciences Extension Program. Our educators share research knowledge with individuals, families, and communities to improve quality of life. Hello, and welcome to Cancer Conversations on Talking Facts. This is your host, Dr. Jennifer Hunter, Assistant Director for Family Consumer Sciences Extension with the University of Kentucky. Today, I'm pleased to be joined by Dr. Pamela Hull, the Associate Director of Population Science and Community Impact in the University of Kentucky Markey Cancer Center and an Associate Professor of Behavioral Science in the UK College of Medicine. Welcome, Dr. Hull. Good morning. Thank you very much for having me. So today's topic is one that I think is going to be of interest to a lot of our listeners, and especially our listeners that have kiddos in that tween teen age group. But we're going to talk about HPV and the HPV vaccine. And I just wanted to get started today. If you wanted to um, tell us a little bit, maybe about your interest in this area and background. Yeah. Yeah, sure. So like I'm a sociologist, I'm not a physician. So I, some people ask me, you know, for physician medical advice, I don't do that, but <laughs> <laughs> I'm a sociologist, which means I, I study people and societies and how we can help people make their lives better and make the world better. So, you know, HPV vaccine is kind of close to my heart because for one thing, I have two daughters, but also I lost my father to cancer and and when he was going through his cancer journey, he was so excited that I was working in the field of cancer. And he and he said, I wish there had been a vaccine to prevent my cancer. Wouldn't that have been amazing? And 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 that just really stuck with me. And, and so it's kind of he, you know, he wanted me to continue letting people know about the power of HPV vaccine to, to prevent cancer kind of in his memory. So it's a personal cause for me. <laughs> well, and I'm certain that many of our listeners can relate because I know many have been touched in, in some way um, by cancer in their family. And I, I mean, I completely agree with his statement as well of wouldn't it be a wonderful world if there was a vaccine that could prevent cancer? Today, we're going to specifically talk about HPV vaccine. Can you tell us a little bit first about what is HPV? How common is it, that type information? Yeah. So HPV stands for human papillomavirus. So it is a virus. You know, we've been hearing about viruses a lot with COVID. Yes. <laughs> things, But, you know, there are actually several infections that cause cancer. HPV is one of them. It causes six types of cancer. Some people just hear about cervical cancer, but there's actually six different types of cancer. And um, hepatitis B and C cause liver cancer. There's another uh, bacteria called H. pylori that causes stomach cancer. So there's several kind of infections that can cause cancer. And who, who would have thought that? You know, we always just think about smoking or chemicals. And so it's actually, um, so if, if something, if an infection causes cancer, we can prevent that by preventing the infection from happening. Exactly. How um, common is an HPV infection? It's actually super common. Four out of five people will get infected with HPV at some time in their life. So almost everybody. Okay. And just because a person is infected with HPV, that does not necessarily mean that they will develop cancer from the infection. Correct. Correct. So, 
you know, with our body's uh, natural defenses, it can usually fight off most viruses that we'll come in contact with. And so the majority of people, when they get the HPV, HPV infection, their body will eventually fight it off. But there's a subgroup of people who their body can't fight it off. And we don't, we have no way of predicting who it's going to be, who, who can and cannot fight it off on their own. So what happens, you know, uh, some people will not be able to fight it off and it'll stay around called a persistent infection. And so that long-term infection over time starts to cause changes in the cells. It starts to, to change the, even in the cervix, in the throat, the different places where the infection happens. So that, and that causes cancer. Could you tell us a little bit about how common cancer associated with HPV is in the United States? Yeah. Yeah. So um, over 36,000 new can new HPV related cancers are diagnosed every year. And that's men and women. That's not cervical cancer. It's also throat cancer and also anal cancer, penile cancer, vulva and vaginal cancer. So the it's men and women. And the biggest, the most common ones that were actually the oral cancer and it's fastest growing in men and growing actually very quickly. And then cervical cancer in women will be the second common, but it affects, that's enough people to fill up a major league baseball stadium every year. Yeah, which is a, which is a staggering statistic. I, um, <laughs> you know, I can envision it a little bit more when you, when you say that about can yeah. fill up a major league baseball stadium, if you're thinking about a, a full stadium, are there certain individuals that may be at higher risk? No, <laughs> it's everybody. And so that's why the vaccine is recommended universally for everyone with just a few, you know, minor exceptions if people have some kind of medical condition that would, would, you know, they shouldn't get a, a specific vaccine, but generally it's recommended for everybody and it can prevent the majority of HPV related cancers, but only if you get it before you get the infection. So that's why it's recommended at ages 11 and 12, because that's when, for one thing, when the body has the best immune response, that's when it builds up the most protection in response to the vaccine. And also you have to get it before you're infected, right? So it's not like a medicine that treats a disease once you get it, or, you know, it's not like antibiotics. When you get an infection, you take antibiotics, it makes it, it makes it go away. This is different. A vaccine will prevent you from getting in the first place if you're exposed. So it's like, you know, when you're going to ride in a car, you don't put your seatbelt on after you've gotten in a car accident. You put it on before you drive. <laughs> if you're going to ride a bicycle. You put your helmet on before you start to ride the bike, not after you fall off. So it's the same with a vaccine. It's got to happen well before you're exposed to the virus. That's why that's why I recommended late ages 11 and 12. Now, people can catch up if they're late. They didn't catch get it when they're supposed to. You can also catch up through age 26. And some people can even get it up through age 45. But it's really recommended as early as possible. So you're well protected. So, and I think that you that you made a point there that I'd like to circle back to that at ages 11, 12 is when the immune response might be as great because I think parents might, you know, think, oh, that's still so young or whether true or not think, well, my child's most likely not engaged in behaviors to become infected that young, et cetera. But this piece about this is when they're most likely going to have the best immune response to it. So it's going to give them the best immunity in the future, I think is important to note as well. Yeah. And because of that, because the body has a bigger immune response at that uh, under age 15, you can, you only need two doses. If you get it on time, 
If you start before age 15, ideally around 11 and 12, uh, then you only need to get two doses. If you start the vaccine after age 15, you have to have three doses because your body needs more boost to get that same response. Now it's actually, it's actually available starting at age nine. And, and a lot of doctors are starting to, you know, let parents know then, you know, you can even start it now if you want to, if you want to spread out, if you don't want them to get three shots when they're 11, because there's HPV meningococcal and Tdap that's due around, around 11 and 12. So if they don't want to get three in one visit, they can spread out. They can start earlier. They can start HPV at nine. We actually just had that middle school physical um, with, with my little girl. And she's like, oh, my arms are sore. <laughs> um, yeah. Yeah. But, but she did great. She did great with, with all. Can you tell us a little bit about HPV vaccination rates in Kentucky? Yeah. So currently just over half of adolescent girls and boys are vaccinated, 56%. And, you know, that's, that's higher than it was before. It's been improving gradually over time, making some good progress, but the goal is 80%. So we've really got work to do still. And we do see a pattern that vaccination rates are lower in rural areas versus urban areas. It's about 50 percent rural areas and 63 percent in urban areas in Kentucky. So we also need to catch that up. And that's concerning because the rate of HPV-related cancer is actually higher in rural areas. So people living in rural areas are actually more impacted by the cancers that HPV causes, but their vaccination rates are a little lower. So we actually need to kind of catch that up to reverse that trend. What can be done to help increase vaccination rates? Yeah, there's a lot of things. I think number one, is for parents to be informed and be proactive and um, ask for it. <laughs> so, you know, we I, I do research in this area. And one of the things I, I do is talk to parents and find out what, what do they want and what are they, what are their questions and what do they want to know from the doctor? And so something we've we've heard from all parents is there's a universal desire for among parents to protect their children from harm. That's anybody, right? True. And, yes. Yeah. So so what we try to emphasize is that HPV vaccine is one way that you can protect your children from harm. You can protect them from serious diseases, these diseases that kill people every day. And cervical cancer happens in young women, like in their 20s and 30s. So, or it can take away their ability to have children, even even if they survive. So it's it's really uh, really important to protect them. And you know, some some people might think, well do I need to worry about the safety of the vaccine? Is that safe? And it's actually very, very safe. It's just as safe as all the other vaccines that you've given your kids since they were little. The same exact profile. You know, there's always any medicine you take, there's a very small chance of some allergic reaction, but it's not any different than any other vaccine. And, and if you think about if you outweigh, if you weigh the risk, the risk of getting cancer, 36,000 people getting cancer that could be prevented by this vaccine versus a handful of people having an allergic reaction every year. It's a very big difference. No, no deaths or serious um, injuries have been associated with HPV vaccine. So as we begin to wrap up today, let me ask you about the potential impact if we could increase um, HPV vaccination rates and cervical cancer screenings. What, how potentially could that change the outlook? Yeah, it's, it's really powerful by, you know, by number one, being able to prevent the infection happening starting with the younger ages and as, as uh, people get older. And then the uh, people, women who are older right now, we have cervical cancer screening, pap tests that can actually remove cells as they become start to become abnormal. That can prevent cancer as well as a sort of second line of defense. But when we put, especially the older women who are too old to get vaccinated, but when we put those two together, 
vaccination preventing infection plus pap screening, if we make sure we get up to good rates in both of those, we can actually eliminate cervical cancer from the planet. I mean, that is incredible. That is incredible. And I think a great note to end on. Dr. Hull, thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you so much. And I just want to uh, say that if parents want more information, they can go to get3shots.org. That's the number three, get3shots.org. Excellent. And for our listeners, we will add that to the show notes in case you just want to go in and click the link. Thanks so much. Thank you. Thank you for listening to Cancer Conversations on Talking Facts. Our goal is to connect you with the latest advances in cancer research in the Commonwealth. If you enjoyed today's podcast and have a suggestion for a future show topic, please message us on the UK Markey Cancer Center Facebook page at facebook.com forward slash UK Markey or visit our website at markey.uky.edu for more information. You can find University of Kentucky Family and Consumer Sciences Extension programs at your local Extension office or online at fcs.uky.edu. Building strong families, building Kentucky. It starts with us.